Hey guys, hey, I'm Pia and welcome back to another episode of In My Own Words brought to you by Common Sense and Red Equal. On these podcasts, we have real conversations that will benefit our communities like Manchester, where this podcast was born. And today's episode is called Has Manchester Recovered? And I'm joined back by Rebecca. So I'm very happy to have her back. Our last um, conversation was very, very interesting. And I'm just, yeah, I'm happy to have you back to share your insights on, you know, Manchester and, you know, all the wonderful things that are happening there. Or like in this case, obviously, the tragedy that did occur of the Manchester bombing. So welcome back. Thanks for inviting me. Nice to see you again, albeit still still <laughs> over Zoom. As with every episode that I've been doing so far, I'm just going to jump straight into it. So I hope that's okay with you. Um, And my first question that I sort of just wanted to ask you is, um, how did Manchester change after the arena bombings? And if it did change, how? So Manchester, in my opinion, and obviously... Of course, you know this is all my opinion, but uh, <laughs> yeah. before I say anything on this podcast, this is how I see it. And um, of course, how I see things isn't fact. It's just how I see the world. Yeah. So through my through my eyes and my experience, Manchester has changed forever following the arena attack. Mm-hmm. And that was inevitable. And there's nothing you can do about that. But that's how um, that's how places and people work. We're all shaped by what's happened to us. So the way I behave and the way I understand the world is shaped by what things have happened to me and what things I've seen and where I've been placed. I kind of think that's true of a city because, of course, mm-hmm. a city is its people. So it's it's shaping so many things since whether good or bad um and i think do you think it you has know, been so many bad? things going forward no for the city no i don't want to say that of of, of course i mean of course the arena attack is an absolute tragedy and of course i'm not saying we're better for it my gosh of course we're not it was absolutely terrible but in terms of some of the um, the lessons and resilience learnt i think i felt a huge sense of pride alongside the sadness but pride in the city's response mm. um so there's you don't you don't know how a city or people will react to something like that mm. And I you was really shocked by how it affected. I was shocked by how it affected me personally, and I was shocked mm. by how it affected our organisation and the whole city. It it, mm. it shocked me how much it affected everybody because the the victims you have you have the victims of the attack, you have the victims' families of the attack who, of course, will never recover from what happened. But then this event you know, created victims across the world, people who felt a connection with Manchester, like or a love for the city, like like I have. I think uh, it affected far more people than you, you would have predicted, really. 
And I forgot, you know what, I completely forgot to mention at the start, just for anybody that is unaware of what happened. So on the 22nd of May in 2017, um, an Islamist extremist suicide bomber, they detonated and let off a homemade bomb as people were leaving um, Manchester Arena, where there was a concert happening by Ariana Grande. And um, 23 people included, um, sorry, I mean, including the, um, the bomber, they all unfortunately um died and it was really it was awful i remember when that came on the news and everybody was shocked and i think especially because like our ariana grande concert you know it was all young people you know so excited and when you looked at um the like the lineup of all like victims i think some of them were so young and it was horrible and i think as well more than 800 people were wounded. So when the BBC were reporting on it and even other news channels, you know, you saw so many videos of people, um, you know, with like, just like their arms were hurt or like their legs or, you know, they had like, because shrapnel was everywhere, you know, they had cuts, they had bruises, you know, and their eyes. I remember I saw one girl and I'm sure like her eyes were like almost blinded and she was like running out. And it was such, it was a horrible, horrible tragedy. I think especially because um, when you think of it more like, like I said, I went back to the whole, um, there were so many children there. It was, it affected everyone. Like you said, everybody was shook when they watched it and it was so unexpected. And I know as well, um, like Ariana Grande herself, like she, it was so dramatic for her. And she felt, I know that she said in um, a few of like her interviews and afterwards in some of like, um, some things that she wrote is it wasn't necessarily like guilt but you know it was her concert sort of thing so there was like a sort of like any human being there was some sort of thinking there that oh god like not has this happened because of me but it, that sort of link so just sorry that, just that, that. yeah that but that that questioning of responsibility that's something that also I think ripples through the city at so many places because um, well, there's a few things in what you said there that I'd really like to pick up on. So first of all, I've just thought, Pia, we should probably um, put a warning out to anyone before watching, just like a trigger warning, because um, mm-hmm. some of the descriptions you said there, I, I know for a lot of people within the city and certainly people outside of the city, because obviously it affected people uh, kind of far afield, but but just uh, those descriptions are, are really, really traumatic for people. and then. Another thing to pick up on there, um, which is what's affected the city, um, is the description and your wording was correct. And I say correct in inverted commas um, because you said an Islamist extremist. But I hate that word so much because it has the word Islam in it. And the person who committed that terrorist attack was not all does not represent Islam. Mm. And as I said, I'm not criticizing you. That That is the terminology that's used but that in itself is what's caused so many people so much pain afterwards because of the association to a peaceful religion um and then also in terms of the the blame and responsibility felt so you know odd Odd arts for example that the the charity i'm a ceo ceo of we work with thousands of young people around the issue of hate and radicalization and extremism within the city and you think are we doing enough are we challenging this is 
had, had we not done enough? I know schools will feel responsible because the person who committed that attack, you know, went to schools in this city. I know the council will feel responsible. The police will feel responsible. The, the thing that's the thing that I think for, for me has had a huge impact on the city as well is the person who committed this attack. Mm. I know what I'm sorry. That's really that's really affected particular communities in central Manchester for so many reasons. It's just so complex on on how it's affected people. But mm. um, and none of those things I pick you up on there, Pia, were criticism. Yeah. Just things that I felt like, oh, I'd really want to respond no. to this. this Honestly, I want I want to say, actually, I do want to apologise for that because um, I took that from, I shouldn't, but um, when I was doing, because I'm not too aware of what happened in the Manchester arena bombings. Like I do, I did see it on the news, but I was kind of young at the time. So I sort of did a little, I shouldn't, but a little Wikipedia. And I think that was the word that they used. I should have said really that ISIS claimed responsibility. And you're right in saying that, that um, words had labels. And to be fair, when I... I did read that. I was thinking, what's the best way that should I just say, you know, suicide bomber in general? And it, it's one of those things that you take a step back. And I think that's definitely what these podcasts and these episodes have done for me and what our conversation last time did for me, because I have deep certain words and phrases now. So I do want to put a little um, apology out there for saying that, because you're right, it is the wrong well, word to well, use. The thing is, Pia, it, it's not actually the wrong word. So the, it's that's the strange thing it should be the wrong word but it's not the wrong word mm. what you said is correct that's actually a terminology that's kind of accepted you know within within the government and things but what i'm saying is um i hate that word yeah <laughs> i don't want to it's You're not fair enough. it's not me getting on at you because actually like that you you used a word that's widely accepted and okay but just knowing the impact on muslim people within manchester mm. but also across the world and the UK following that arena attack, the blame and hatred they got for a terrorist's actions mm. who they would never associate with their faith. That's why I hate that word. I don't care if it's right or not. It's just the fact I don't think we'd have the word Christianist. I just don't yeah. believe we'd have that. So no, um, that's right. just, and I kind of bang on about this but you're right these podcasts are to raise debate around this sort of stuff aren't they mm, and if anybody listening is and has been listening all the way through I think that will affect them as well because me definitely I see myself hesitating at you know certain points where I think oh is this the not even right word to use you right but uh, in a sense like politically correct or you know just even in a sense, like morally correct, like what significance am I putting on this word by saying it sort of thing? And you do find yourself thinking that for little things. In terms of your comment, I think it brings me on to like the next question of, you know, did, I I think we all saw how the community came together, but in terms of the sort of like hate that came afterwards, did you see a lot of, um, in a sense, hate against, you know, the Muslim community, for example, when this happened in, you know, did you see a lot of um, I saw a backlash against them? Yeah, I, I, I didn't, you know, my own privilege of, like, look, I, I experienced white privilege. So mm. that, you know, I didn't 
witness it and also because of who I am which I really hope is someone people know to fight for equalities and being anti-racist I didn't witness it it's not someone something um you know people hopefully would do in front of me but I you surround yourself with again yeah but I, I saw so many times Muslim people who had experienced horrendous hate speech mm. and hate crimes following the attack um, <clears throat> that's influenced a lot of our work since because it was it became normalized for that so I I absolutely like I absolutely witnessed it within my community and I also what I did witness amongst somebody I knew um, I remember them I remember them saying oh well you know, I haven't heard any imams speak out against this. And I thought, I said to them, I said, oh, right. How many, how many imams do you know or listen to? Mm. And then they kind of stopped in their tracks and said, oh, well, I don't know any. I said, right then. Because, you know, first of all, pretty much every imam that I would know or have heard of or do know has spoken out yeah. against this. But secondly, it's the fact that we think that the mu- they have to. to yeah yeah so even even those under that they're, they're kind of the I suppose that's the secondary kind of discrimination that was seen so it, people who would think I'm not I'm not judging that group or I'm not discriminating against would still say mm-hmm. comments like that and actually there's an underlying message there that you're to blame yeah so, but they have to take responsibility as well for yeah. this atrocious act yeah so yeah the but it was, and it was also more complicated than that. There was other, because people belong not to, obviously, we've all got multiple identities and it's really, I like to think it's really complex. Like I, I'm not, I'm not just a female identity or I'm not just heterosexual or just creative. I'm not just Mancunian. I'm actually, I like to think I have a complex identity. Um, and the impact was so was more complicated as well because there were certain other um, identities that the person who committed the terror attack had that also got blamed within our Manchester communities. So, and there, there was also locations that got blamed more, and the mm-hmm. locations that. So this isn't me blaming the police at all. Of course, the police have to come in and check the safety and ensure that no more harm is going to happen. But that meant there were a lot of raids, blowing doors off, going in people's head. You know, it was a really frightening time for certain communities. So the impact of all that was absolutely enormous. There was, there was so many impacts on not only faith communities, but certain... Mm ethnic communities ethnic identified communities within the city do you think this then raised a toxic climate in you know in the city sort of thing like you said you know there were raids on certain areas and like i suppose specifically on certain communities or a certain um description of said community sort of thing so i can imagine a lot of you know brown people during that point regardless of whether Muslim or not had a lot of I suppose like issues and a lot of run-ins with the police I mean I'm guessing and so did this raise a toxic climate within the city and do you think the city maybe not individuals do you think the city itself felt that and felt you know that air of um almost like hate in a sense 
Well, do you know what? I think I think the I I think the the aim of the attack was to do that. And I think Manchester thought on the whole, I think Manchester thought, no, I'm not having that. We're not we're not responding in the way you want us to, which is with hate and division and violence. I felt like people were absolutely adamant. And when I say people, I mean communities, organisations, I mean the whole city. And again, this is how I experienced it and view it. But people came and thought, we're not reacting how you want us to, and we're coming together. And I was overwhelmed by, you know, really the togetherness actually so yeah yeah so people people all really wanted to help that's something I also learned is that Mm. when you have a you know when you when something bad happens to somebody you know say somebody's really ill or something bad happens to a friend all of us like instinctively want to do something to help we want to make it better and that's what it was like in the city Mm. every wanted to know what can I do to help and that was the same with me personally it was the same with odd arts we were desperate to get projects off the ground to support you know to challenge the Islamophobia that was coming out to challenge the stereotype towards young people because the young people were getting a lot of blame to challenge the stereotypes towards central Manchester and to fight back and kind of show Manchester as a city of love and togetherness and positive radical attitudes and celebrating diversity and people hadn't couldn't do enough they couldn't do enough there was people mm-hmm. seen on the streets people desperate to help on the tidy up desperate to make food and give it out it that's something I think as well isn't it really interesting thing for cities and people to realize is rather than just saying to a community or an individual when something terrible and tragic happens sit back we're going to deal with this actually part of recovery is that people need a role they need something to do they need to be active in that recovery and I think that's what helped Manchester everyone coming together and responding and in that way and I think I've seen I've seen that a lot with COVID actually it's really reminded me you know in this another moment of crisis and tragedy a lot of togetherness a lot of community there is but the hardest thing to do yeah, and the hard, one of the hardest things is that people are being asked to do nothing, to stay at home mm. and don't go out. And when actually, this is why I said all along, odd arts, you know, we're carrying on working and out with people, but actually that's the easiest thing to do for us because we're doing some, we feel like we're doing something. And I, and I, I know people in the police responding to the arena attack, I know them very well who've said the people that almost didn't cope as well were those that felt they weren't helping. And those that had a massive purpose, albeit hugely challenging jobs in the, you know, following the arena attack, they actually, mm-hmm. you know, cope with it better in some ways. So it's interesting. There's a lot of things to learn, I think, about human response and needing to be a part of recovery. Um, before I move on to my next question, I sort of wanted to pick off on something you said, because you said that a lot of young people were getting blamed. And I think that's quite interesting because... Um, I didn't know that too much. So why do you think a lot of young people, you know, were getting like the blame shifted on them and, you know, getting some sort of hate towards them, I think you said? I don't know. It was really strange. We we learned this. We work with a lot of um, kind of, I'd say, 13 to 21-year-olds immediately after doing, 
using like we do film and theatre to kind of explore some of the issues. And we kind of did this project called We Respond and just let them respond to what had gone on. And they were just desperate to show that they were engaged, positive, accepting young people. Mm. And this, this is why I'm saying that, you know, the person that committed that terrorist attack, they're not only saying they, although they connected themselves to Islam and hijacked that religion, it had, mm. it had a terrible effect that they did that. But as I said, not only with that, but they were young and they went to schools they went to schools in Manchester. And I think young people here were feeling like, no, I need to show that we're not like this. Mm, this is separate themselves. Yeah, in the same way people from, you know, the, the community it was from, I don't even want to, I, I'm actually avoiding saying what community they're from because I feel they've had mm. so much... Um, Hate towards blame. their prejudices. Yeah, yeah, and discrimination from for a lot of years that I actually am avoiding saying it, but I feel like all those all those communities and people were feeling like they needed to say this does not stand for me, and I certainly saw that amongst young people. I think they wanted to show, and it wasn't even just showing the rest of the UK; it was showing the world. It was people felt like they were speaking to the world that mm. this person doesn't stand for us. I think in terms of um, just speaking on that and not wanting to talk about, um, you know, the sort of religious group that are part of the community, I think it's interesting because we've seen time and time again in newspapers that, you know, if it was a white individual, let's say, suicide bomber, you know, the sort of media that's associated with them as you know that they're mentally ill you know that they're a lone wolf you know there's no sort of impact no sort of link between them and you know let's say if they were of christian faith there's no impact between them and like christians everywhere so mm-hmm. it's we've seen so many times like islamophobia in full force and how many times people attach um actions of you know isis terrorist bombers to you know the muslim community and i think it's we forget and the one thing we we want to say in this podcast and we want you know it to really resonate with people is that they are not their religion you know they've interpreted it in such a you know um different way and i'm sure that the muslim community could give like a better um sort of reasoning and you know description towards that sort of thing um as to separating themselves from it yeah, but period. It was interestingly as well. It wasn't just around faith. It was also around. This is what's interesting as well. Not only do people want to relate it to certain faiths in the way that they might not with other people, but it was also to do with, um, I suppose, like a heritage or origin from where they are were originally in the world, which I wouldn't get again. So, for example, I don't think someone would be seeking to tell a story about somebody like me in inverted commas okay if they did something bad they wouldn't then kind of want to say and they're from a community that originally came from Scotland if you see what I mean so it was even the location as well it wasn't just faith yeah. it was around so that that it I'd say it's that kind of I don't know whether you call that systemic racism or, but, but there, but there's also, there is systemic racism in the media and how they report things around that mm, as well. Definitely. So 
it was to do with race as well, I think, that got targeted. But like I said, I saw it amongst... It, the the young people of our city felt really, really hurt by it, personally. Like, I, I couldn't really see many people that weren't. This is what I'm saying. It was It really hurt so many people. And that's actually the point I did... Following the arena tactics at that point, I, I actually recognised my absolute love of this city because I, I felt the strongness attacked. So how dare you do this to our city? And that's mm. and, and I just do want to reiterate that overall, you that there's a sense of pride and resilience that Manchester did come together. And I mm. I do hope the overall message that was seen by the world was that. Um, was not that of hate and division, but of a of a city that wouldn't wouldn't yeah and would yeah exactly and wouldn't kind of crumble under this horrendous thing. But that doesn't change it changing you. It doesn't make a difference. It still changes you forever because that's part of our Manchester's history now. It does. And do it, you still? Um, I really wanted to ask you actually. Do you still see that? change in places like you know being in 2021 you know four years later do you still see you know the effects of it the the change that has come from it and the communities I don't see it like that anymore I don't see it like um it's not like an overt thing now but I can't explain it I, I see it shaping people it's it's shaped people in a stronger sense, do you think? Well, uh, both, but because certain communities are, have been really, really, um, really traumatised by it as well. Mm-hmm. There's no other way of putting it. Certain communities have been really, really traumatised by it. So it's hard to say, oh, it's all better because of it. Because the the level of trauma faced by so many people following that is just it, it's hard to comprehend. But but that's what I'm saying. You don't you don't necessarily see someone walking around looking traumatized, or mm. you don't. But it shapes people, and it shapes how they go on understanding themselves and the world. But that's the same with my kind of pride and love in the city. You don't necessarily you might hear me speak really positively and passionately about Manchester, but you wouldn't necessarily know that that's partly been shaped by that occasion, but it has. Do you see what I mean? It's, it's, it's less of her. I, but I think you, I think we'll all see it every day in people and, and organizations, but you don't necessarily know that. But, but like I said, that's, that's like so many experiences that we don't know people have been through to shape how they've become. To go back to that point, though, I do understand what you mean by in terms of when we were talking about um, young people, for example, you know, they're the new generation, the sort of backbone of, you know, their communities. And I think for them, it is a very personal thing. You know, I feel like it's human nature that you can't help it. But, you know, sort of to put that sort of trauma on yourself. And, you know, I, I know so many times where young people have wanted to be like well I want to show that you know I'm nothing like that and there's actually this show that I've been watching and um she comes from it's about a girl to give you a very brief overview but it's about this girl and she's sort of fighting against her own people but she sees them as evil and she's sort of um because everybody else the rest of the world sees her community as evil so because she wants to separate herself from that she wants to try and 
give a better view of her so that the rest of the world sees her as, you know, someone they can coincide with almost. That was a really bad description of what I'm trying to say, it, <laughs> what I'm trying to say. But what I'm trying to get at is like in this instance, um, I feel like so many young people would put it upon themselves to, you know, want to separate themselves from what happened and to be like, wait, no, we are, you know, good people. And I think that's the sort of sadness in it that they have to think, no, we have to show everyone else that we're not like this. We haven't done this. And, you know, it, they they haven't, they have not done anything for them to put that sort of pressure on themselves. But I feel like within human nature, that that is sort of a response. Yeah. And I just wanted to go back on that point to say it is quite sad to see that. And I feel like that, that sort of, like you said, that trauma, I think that is, I don't want to say everlasting, but that will, that will be around for a long time. Yeah. Do you know an even sadder thing though, here is if people hear these things about themselves too much and just think, do you know what? I might as well be that because everyone thinks it anyway. Mm. both both are sad really but but that's the saddest of all I think and and you you can see that because you know I I do a lot of work in um secure units and prisons and sometimes you can track back people's people's behavior they've kind of felt written off or you know they've kind of given up from a very very early age because you know this is what I'm seen as and this if this is what my future holds then I might as well just give up and do it because Mm. everyone thinks I'm going to do that anyway and that's the saddest of all I suppose it's not fair and people shouldn't have to do it but at least there's some fight (laughs) in people who are standing up saying this isn't me but I've I've really heard a lot of people exhausted and actually, in in the wake of Black Lives Matter as well, massively heard this that actually I'm exhausted of having to constantly fight this and constantly explain this to you and educate people. Yeah, that that. So and again, I don't understand that because, as I've said, I I I don't understand that. I have the white privilege that I've you know. It's taken a lot of years for me to like understand what that is because I was privileged. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even think about it Mm. when I was a child, and I'm still learning. But I think that exhaustion is is broad in society at the minute, and I think we're being asked in so many ways. When I say we, I mean everybody can we please all take part in fighting injustice and inequalities Mm -hmm. and discrimination and bias rather than it being like oh it's bad that happens to you you better educate people (laughs) so it's funny that you say that those two things there's two things that I wanted to pick up there um your first comment about it's sad when people you know turn to that sort of um almost that stereotype of them and I mentioned this actually in another episode that I did which is why I said it's funny because I said that it's bad but I understand why because if someone has been constantly saying you're like this you're like this you're like this your whole life well then why shouldn't you be you know it's not like you can change because people will never fully accept you as themselves so why not turn to it I feel like that is it's a very 
easy understanding. That's what I'll say. It's very easy to understand that point of view. And I think that's why for me, I, I won't judge it and I won't bash it because I can understand why people go through that. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's just, it's easy. And especially when you've got so much, um, you know, hate and discrimination thrown at you. And on that point, um, what you said about Black Lives Matter, which I think links with this, is that whole um, educating people. And I know that time and time again, especially through Black Lives Matter, and even um, now with, um, let's say, like farmers' protests in India, like a lot of people are saying um, on loads of social media sources, why should it have to be these minority groups that are educating white people? And, and we see it in like cancel culture, you know, let's say, um, a white mm -hmm. artist, white celebrity influencer gets cancelled because racist things they've said and they always come back with the same apology video of I'm sorry, please can someone in the community educate me and while we always go back and we bash them and we go, not bash them, sorry, that was a wrong word um, we come back and we say, well, why should we have to educate you? There are so many sources out there there's so many ways that you can educate yourself why does it have to be us constantly fighting this constantly telling you what to do because clearly you're not ready to listen you're not ready to open up and fully understand what we're saying so it's just it's very I would say disheartening and I would say it's very it's long and you get tired you get tired of telling the same story to someone over and over to have it not even thrown back in your face but have it just not heard so that point I totally totally understand with that whole you know time and time again people having to educate people and it not going through I think that's that's very important actually in the points that you said so sorry to interject you there I just wanted to no, sort of make them clear I no I agree with what you say it's well it's interesting because I said to you before we started didn't I, I said oh Pia if there's if there's if I say something um that I'd really like to rephrase is, mm. is that okay I tell you but that's because you know um like it's 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 uncomfortable for me because I know I, I in the past I've got so many things wrong because I haven't considered things enough and I just feel like um that happens to us challenge, all yeah but I think we have to keep that challenge and mm. sense of um unease and actually and I suppose my challenge to myself is I need to keep I need to keep questioning is this is this right? Am I looking at this okay? Am I saying the right thing? And I don't see that as like, oh, I'm on eggshells all the time. I'm trying to do that. Trying to learn. Really genuinely, because I'm, I'm trying not to kind of say, well, you tell you tell me how to do it. You educate me because like, like you say, <laughs> I, I'm perfectly capable of educating myself, but I suppose it's an interesting, all the conversations that I've had to, with you are really, really, they're really contentious and fragile conversations, which is why I said to you before, like, we need to warn people, give them a trigger warning around trauma and things. They, they're really, really complicated issues. And I think there's mm. nothing wrong with us all thinking, I need to think carefully about what I'm saying here. And I need to be really, really careful. And, you know, that, that's, that's great. We all keep learning then and we all make change if we do that. And you know, I certainly don't find it tiring. I find it really interesting. No, but I find yeah, it really don't interesting. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I was going to say, don't, sorry. Um, I was just going to say, don't get me wrong. Like, please do ask people, like, if you do need some sort of education, I'm not saying don't. 
like yeah. just research it. I'm saying there are people available. I'm just saying don't let that be your only yeah, resource because it is tiring. I can say from, no. I agree you know, with what you said. I I totally agree with what you said for you. I it's just I mean it's a big conversation, isn't it? Mm. Which you did start us off on. I always take people off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You know what? <laughs> It's honestly every episode, but I love that. I love how we always end up at, you know, Zed. I love how we go through so many different things because there's so many, like I say with every single episode, there's so many things to talk about. And like this, for example, we could talk about this for hours. Unfortunately, we don't have the time. And I'm sure you guys don't want to listen to us for hours talking about, you know, um, these sorts of topics. And you want to go and you want to go away and think about yourselves. But it's always there's just so much to it and there's so many layers to it and you know um it's like I say with anything there's so many different areas as well it's like it's never just one area and that's it one box stuff area it's always there's so many links um on that note of link I think the one question that I wanted to end on to ask you which I hope is a more positive one but um as like the community coming together we said that throughout the time they have done that have you seen like new links in the city now um, in terms of like between different communities or between different like organizations? So, for example, like Odd Arts, have you seen, you know, like, um, you know, like almost like new fresh links that have become of this tragedy in a sense, like ones that help people and ones that, you know, help the community grow and, you know, Manchester grow? I mean, absolutely. In the last few years, I feel the city's definitely more connected. Again, can I put it 100% down to that tragic event? I don't know, but it's definitely will have influenced it. It definitely will have influenced it. Um, but the same way that the pandemic's influenced it in a different way with people coming together and communities working together and organisations pulling together. But I can certainly say from the charity I run and the central Manchester community I'm based in, I feel in the last few years, and I mean less than five, definitely, there's there's a huge coming together of those organisations in a way that anyone can ask anyone else for help and people trying to pull together to try and address something together and... I know I've seen that amongst the wider city with um, the community voluntary sector, the wider the wider community voluntary sector. I, I feel a sense of coming together. There's the BME network in Manchester. Mm-hmm. There's Rad Equal that brings people together. There's there's a there, there are really you know there really are a, a lot of networks of people and I don't sources out there. I don't see them as um, what's the word like um they're not competing I don't yeah I, I, they're all working being, together yeah maybe I'm being naive I mean but I think people are trying to stop competing because that's that's actually often in response to kind of where funding comes from and mm-hmm. you know they're not being enough money for everyone to do what they want to do but I I really do see people trying to share their learning and come together and pull together and you you said this has been funded by Rad Equal but that that's an example where people come together and try and challenge mm. each other and learn you know learn and I've partnered loads when I say I I mean Odd Arts the, the team at Odd Arts have but 
we've we're constantly meeting new partners of organizations and activists and groups and that that's what I love it keeps the work new and fresh because there'll always be new people coming together yeah but I I think I think that's true but even common sense network you know uh (laughs) shout out to common sense and ridicule yeah but they you know even as an example you know they kind of popped up in Manchester and are getting more and more connected and I've heard Mike say how welcomed he feels by the city and how connected he's started feeling but that that's that's the vibe I think this the the sector tries is trying to do because mm-hmm. you get a lot more done but it but it is a struggle look it is a struggle because of politics and money mm-hmm. and, and things like that it's not easy but I think first of all that's a really I think that's a really great way to end and um I love like you know, it's always inspiring when you hear about, you know, so many different, you know, organisations and companies and, you know, activists coming together, you know, in the wake of disaster, I think. And I, I know, like you said, it's not, this isn't totally just come from the Manchester Arena bombings. I think, I think that is a factor into, you know, some of the work that has gone on and some of the issues and topics that have cropped up because of it. Um but I think it is lovely to see, and it's it's a heartwarming way to end, you know, to see the community coming together. So um, on that note, we have sort of finished our like our episode, which I know it's like the time's gone so like fast, so quickly. And I say that about every single episode I do because, like I said, it's like we can talk on it for ages. But um, thank you very much for coming on the episode again today. Really nice to speak to you again, Pia. Yeah, you too, and. If everybody listening, I will put a little trigger warning at the beginning because it is a hard topic that we have spoken about today. And, you know, like Rebecca mentioned, it's, you know, had a lot of traumatic effects on a lot of the people in the community. And not even, you know, in Manchester itself, just everywhere. So um, I hope it wasn't too, like, almost traumatising to listen to. I hope that, you know, it was a good um, episode and that you, like, enjoyed what we discussed and, like I always say, please follow and subscribe if you did like it. And please follow our socials as well at The Common Sense. Um, we'd always love to hear from you, love to hear your thoughts. So please tweet about it. You know, please, even if you don't want to talk to us about it, please talk to your friends about it. Get these conversations out there, like we said. But um, on that note, I will see you guys next week for another episode. Bye. Yeah, yeah.